Hello and welcome to the Squadron 6 podcast, a show dedicated to preserving the history and experiences of Squadron 6, the Corps of Cadets, and Texas A&M. My name is Colton Brandt, class of 21. I'm here with my co-host. Howdy, y'all. My name is Alex Jacob, class of 20. And uh, we have a very special guest uh, today, and we'll give him an opportunity to introduce himself. Uh, hello, I'm Michael Anise. I am from Columbus, Ohio, and my degree, which I uh, graduated with, was in Geographic Information Science Technology. And I'm currently working uh, in a geospatial intelligence company, uh, working with the government. That's, that's it right now. Awesome. So, like, for, for our viewers that don't know, Nice was our first sergeant his junior year and our EXO his senior year. But uh, one thing that I would, what I would like to know is, uh, I, guess, I guess I'll call you Michael for the, for the interview. Or Mike. Go with Mike. <laughs> Mike, how did you first hear about the core? Uh, so I first heard about the core, uh, probably my senior year of high school. Um, I didn't understand it at all. I wanted to go to Texas A&M because they had a, uh, the program that I wanted to go into the major that I wanted, uh, GIS, that's what it's abbreviated to. Uh, it was one of the best in the country and I'm from Ohio and I needed to pay the state tuition. So the uh they advertised the corp cadets as a way to waive the out-of-state tuition and just pay in-state tuition now coming in, i didn't really have any idea what the corps cadets was i didn't know all the military stuff i thought it was kind of like a national guard thing or like a reserve thing where you just do on the weekends so i kind of just signed up for it just to pay for my tuition and i didn't really understand it especially since i like the first time i came down like uh there was no mention of it and then I came here for fish camp and they said oh yeah you have to go to FOW after fish camp and that's kind of when the whole thing started I didn't realize how uh, <laughs> in-depth it was I was going and, to uh, say you for, for a pretty big surprise when you got here yeah <laughs> you you were the first one from our class to uh show up in the dorms right right so I had to come a day earlier because my dad just kind of dropped me off uh we drove down from Ohio he dropped me off for fish camp, which was before FAW, and there was like a, it was like two days before um, FAW started after fish camp ended. So I, I like talked to the core and said, hey, kind of like stay in my room like an extra two days. So I was just in my room for two days, uh, just chilling while they were trying to do training time and all that, like to prepare for FAW before that. So I could hear everything that was going on. I was just kind of just in my room. And I was, uh, yeah, so I was the first one here <laughs> of the class. Yeah. So, yeah. To go off of that a little bit, uh, did any of that make sense to you from what you were hearing? Uh, what was like, especially, you know, uh, moving on when you became the first sergeant and stuff, like, did any, did you, did, did you, uh, was any of that information valuable? Did any of that transfer over? Uh, you mean like when I first came as a freshman? As a but, freshman. Yeah. Uh, no, Just, I didn't understand anything that was going on. In fact, I, they were doing, like a train time and all, like they couldn't really because I was there, but I, I like they were doing it on the other side of the hallway. So I walked out and uh, Commander Hasman, unfortunately, RIP, uh, he walked out too and he saw me and he thought that I was a cadet. And uh, <laughs> I didn't have my haircut because they do that, you know, like a couple of days in. So he like, he saw me and started yelling at me, like, are you freaking serious? Like, do you think you can have that hair right now when all this is going on? And the, like the rest of the outfit was like on the other side of the hallway, just watching all happen. So I was like, yes, sir. I'll go get haircut right away, sir. I had no idea what that meant. I just like, ran out. 
And uh, to uh, Commander Hazen's credit, he then, like, I guess they talked to him. He ran down the stairs because we were on the third floor. He ran down the stairs and caught me on the quad and said, sorry, son, I didn't know you were a fish. Uh, you don't have to get a haircut. Forget everything I just said. So, yeah. But that's really all I – I mean, other than that, I couldn't really hear anything they're doing because they were trying to, you know, to be really quiet about the training and what was going on. And, you know, for me, it was all a surprise. So, no, I had no idea what was going on. I could hear them yelling, but that was about it. And for our next question, did you pick Squadron 6? Were you sort of sent to Squadron 6? How did that work? Uh, yeah, I was just sent to Squadron 6. I said, just put me where uh, where do you think I should go? And uh, uh, Colonel Haas. I think, yeah, Colonel Hollis said, uh, Squadron 6. And I was like, cool. And then he kept emailing me about an outfit. And I was like, I don't know, like, what outfit I'm supposed to wear. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, just give me what outfit ever I need. And he said, Squadron 6. And I, know, I, I still didn't really get it, what it was until I got there. And then, obviously, I understood why they called them outfits. So, yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. put there. Good stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, you really, had, you really had no idea what was going on. When I was thinking no. like, Maybe you could have picked something up from the, the first two days, the extra like day you were there, but I don't know. So remember for me, it was like my parents left and I just heard screaming from the other end of the hallway. And I don't know, it's, it's all the next four years are kind of a blur. But uh, yeah. um, the next question is, can you kind of describe uh, your, your first year, your first year here in the Corps? Yeah, uh, obviously, Jacob probably knows we've similar fish years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would say describing it, it's almost like, I don't know. It, it was mystical to me. I mean, it, it kind of like just remembering it is very just, it was very different than the, I mean, the, I mean, the rest of the, for the rest of my time there, obviously for, yeah, it's by design, but I think our senior class did like a really good job trying to sell the, uh, the mystique of the core to us as freshmen. The games they played, I never felt were like, they never felt core hazy. They just felt like, you know, the, they were good bowl. The core games were all, um just fun but the seniors were just super into it they just took it to another level of just trying to make sure that we had the best fish experience to just you know be shocked by the stuff we did um but fish year was just i mean i i remember the first semester i kind of got into a schedule of just core stuff class and sleep that was literally my schedule was just like I we we didn't do anything besides like any any free time we had was either studying or sleeping, and then you know the weekends were football games, and then recovering from football games, and then we had outfit meetings on Sunday nights. So I mean your whole schedule was just destroyed. So I mean it was until second semester where I kind of like we got into like a groove on things, uh, but yeah it was mystical I would say like the just the the vibe that was going on it just felt like you weren't in America at the thing you're just like in a different <laughs> world you're like in the 1950s America that's what it felt like I think you described it perfectly man um yeah and so I would say like, I'd also love to hear because uh, I don't know if we talked about this much but was it a very big leap of faith for you to sort of go out of state was it was it did it feel like uh, a very scary thing or was this kind of like this is the next step I'm, I'm you know I'm happy to get started uh when I when I applied to colleges I didn't apply to a single school like in Ohio I wanted to go out of state for college I wanted that experience to go somewhere different not that I hate Ohio but it's just I wanted to I wanted to have a college experience in a different state and uh A&M is where I landed because of the great the great GIS program but 
I would say there was a culture shock um, just coming from, I mean, it was a huge, but just, just stuff like uh, the accents, people's accents. Uh, I, I kind of expected it, but still it kind of takes me a surprise. Like, you know, normal people just uh, have his accents and other stuff. Like I didn't think, obviously college station is very Texan, I think, uh, but I didn't expect, I thought cowboy boots and the cowboy hat was a joke. I didn't think people actually like for real wore those. And then, you know, Harry's, I didn't think that was actually, you know, a real thing, uh, like a, da- a dance hall in 2016. So uh, leave it faith wise, I-, I was ready for it. I just, it was fun to experience the culture shock of Texas. And now I'm living here after yeah, college. Definitely. Uh, what's what is you said the seniors created that like mystical experience that you liked and respected? Can you, th- can you tell me more about that? Like, what is some of the things they did that created that atmosphere? Yeah, um, Jago obviously remembers some stuff. I think an event that I remember the most was, and it has to do with like their a hundred percent. Like, if one senior had an idea, they just all they all did it with them. So I think I forget who came up with it, but they did like a medieval week at the end yeah. of the year. <laughs> And, and I, when I mean like midi, like they, they completely went into it. So like the whole premise was for an entire week, you had to pretend you were in the medieval ages and the fish, obviously in this and playing fish games, they had to sell it a hundred percent. So we had to talk, we had to greet a different way. We had to greet in like medieval terms. We had to talk in medieval terms. We blew call in medieval terms. They made us read off a script and they made us do horse noises. And to the seniors, it wasn't like, it wasn't just like, it was a joke, but they, they made us do it so much. <laughs> uh, they made us do it so much that it was just so in depth. But I would say like, it didn't even seem like we were joking about it anymore. It just seemed like, yeah, this is, this makes sense. Like, this is what, this is, this is what we should do. And stuff like that. Uh, other senior things, we just did a lot of, and for some reason, our senior class had a lot of uh, army people. I think they were like, yeah, there was a, and our CEO was friends with an army guy who wasn't another outfit, but he literally was always at our outfit train time. So I'll never get that. But we did a lot of uh, army like stuff where we did like room clearing exercises. We did a room clearing exercise in the bathroom. Like they like lined us oh up and gosh. we pretended yeah. to have weapons God in our hands. And then we pretended to room clear a bathroom. I remember we were doing them because we had both boys bathrooms on one end and one of our, our female buddies was in the, um, in the training time. So like they like stopped the whole train time. Like, wait, we have a female with us. Like, and we're going to the bathroom and they like opened the door and said, anybody in here? And then they're like, okay, cool. We're just going to keep going. And then they just, yeah. we just practiced <laughs> room cleaning a bathroom forever and stuff like that. And then I remember, I think, I don't know if you guys did paintball, but I know we did paintball after, but I remember our fish year, paintball it was a legit training time like we were doing oh, yeah. like certain drills and practices and doing civilian experiments on like our piss heads were the civilians and we had to negotiate them and then like the situation would unravel and we'd get into like a paintball situation and it, it was stuff like that and I think the reason why I say it was mystical is because the seniors just launched into it they just went a hundred percent it wasn't a joke to them it was like this is what the fish should be doing that, that's something that I enjoyed Absolutely, yeah, and uh, sorry, I do, uh, double tap on that a little bit. Where uh, I think, yeah, that's something that I think the seniors have a really instrumental part of, like playing and, and setting the the narrative and, and the atmosphere for the outfit in that way. Especially like 
because uh, I think you, as a freshman, you sort of view your upperclassmen, especially your seniors, like, you know, this is what I want to become like, and like, this is the end of my journey going into the core and stuff. So uh, I think, yeah, our, our seniors definitely did, did their job in that way. So that was, that was really cool. I remember we got to do the paintball my freshman year, which was, I guess, the year after yours. And like my proudest achievement of fish year was double tap and Ortega with a CEO at the time. I got him in like both sides of the paintball mask. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I love the paintball things because I remember for ours, like, you know, like when you get hit by a paintball, you like raise both hands. Well, we were, it was like fish were piss heads. And whenever we'd hit a piss head, the pistol would put their hands up to say they were hit, and then we'd all just shift fire and just like pelt them after yep. they put their hands up, just, like destroy them. <laughs> well, you know, you were talking about those drills, and I remember I was looking on the Facebook and the Jordan Six, and I even saw y'all like were doing like um, like breaching like um, like breaching protocols and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that was interesting. I remember this one training time um, where we went over to, I'm not going to use the term that we normally use to refer, but uh, right by the bridge uh, in, in Spence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a different term for it in the outfit, but um, <laughs> we did a training time there where we were doing the exact same thing where rather than having uh, any firearms, like we were just holding our hands right in front of each other. And like uh, one of the zips, he pulled out like a bunch of reflector belts and then made it in the shape of a room as if it was like a blueprint. And so he had the doorway and stuff like that. He's like, all right, clear this room. And so all of us had our like one, two, three, four. You got to keep your, you know, watch your six. You have, you have a, a degree range of like that you're keeping an eye on. And so I think like each, uh, that, that was like something that was really cool. Uh, if, if we ever have the opportunity to bring paintball back, I think that would, some, that would definitely be a really cool training time. Yeah. I remember those times also the pistols would do just crazy stuff. I remember literally hitting the tree. Oh yeah! <laughs> jumped out like on onto us and tried to scare us as we were doing our little procedure. I, I uh, it was surprising. That yeah. would be a little scary. That would be a little scary. Did you yeah. light them up? Light them up with paintballs at that point? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a perfect segue. So going into pisshead year, uh, you were uh, selected as our guide on, and uh, with uh, Andrew Lane as our guide on brother. So Ooh. tell us a little bit about what that was like kind of leading on a class uh, in that way and uh, the mentality that you had and, and uh, what you tried to achieve during your business head year. Yeah. Uh, piss head year, hard. It sucks, <laughs> especially as a guide on. And uh, I mean, Trevino knows this kind of like the stresses of that, especially for Andrew and me, because to us, it was weird because both of us and my, my roommate and my guide and brother, Andrew Lane, was also kind of surprised at the whole court situation. He was, a, he was an out-of-stater. And if you know Andrew Lane's personality, then you know that he's not the most uh, antagonistic guy. He's a very <laughs> mellow dude. And I didn't think I was uh, very, you know, antagonistic either. I consider myself like a decently nice guy. And especially the leadership that we had, um, my CEO, my, uh, my pissed year was also a guide on uh, Caleb Ortega. And if you know Caleb, Caleb Ortega, he is literally the living embodiment of um, lead by example. I mean, just I, I, I can't think of another example besides him of that, um, especially physically and PT wise. So got on year, I, um, I'm not very fast. I'm not very good at running, uh, Brent and uh, Trevino know. So having Lane as my guide on brother, who was actually good at running, was kind of the whole that's what kind of made the whole dynamic I think work for us is just having me be the push-up sit-up squat guy the guy who can do the calisthenics and then have Lane 
pick up the running. I think it worked pretty well, except when I had to run. But other than that, it was uh, – I look back on it, I, I think I had fun. It was definitely a, a grueling experience, and I think I was prepared for it because uh, Scott Graybill, the guy before me, the guy on who kind of trained me, he kind of prepared me and said, you know, here's what to expect. And he, he, he planned out the timeline. He said, by February – you will want to quit the core as a guide on. You're just going to be so burnt out and you just need to pace yourself. And by pacing yourself, you're going to have to rely on your buddies to also pick up the training. And as a guide on, I think the, the mentality that we had, and I, I hope it's still there, is that the stick itself, the, the guide on, the physical object, is the soft, and it's, it's different for outfit, I know, but the, the guide on itself is the classes. It's the sophomore classes. Um, and it's just the guidon's responsibility to carry it and do stuff like that. I think that's how we approached it. And as Piss said, I, I think we all bought into that idea and were able to train with that level. I know in some outfits they do it, only the guidons are allowed to touch the guidon stick, you know, whatever classroom. And we did it as all sophomores are allowed to touch the, the guidon stick. So it made that part easier, but still, it's a grueling experience. Um, piss idea is just a growing experience having to be the perfect fish is kind of how it's usually put but you know you learn so much from it and i enjoyed it especially training uh colton and sometimes trevino i definitely yeah. agree though i mean definitely that role as the guide on and you know guide on brother was very antagonistic so it is like kind of a learning curve initially you know because it seemed like i mean at least for me i mean the expectation was when i was being trained by ortega you know as a fish when i first got it you know and or i guess trevino got it and you know us and is definitely, you know, yell, you know, be that hard one, be that be perfect. And you're right. It is draining towards the end of it. And, um, but I think it's, I think it's rewarding in the end though, I, especially when I think it can handle, you know, kind of that transition. It's, um, it is rewarding. I know it, like it kind of worked for you, Mike, and with, uh, Andrew, it kind of worked for like, you would be the one that talks and like, I guess does stuff and draws attention. Then Lane was just like, he didn't, he didn't really talk, right? I didn't hear him talk until I knew him for like two years. And then it kind of worked. He would just be like the run really fast, carry the stick on the runs and stuff. And you kind of, I guess, run the training environment. Uh, one question I had that I know is difficult for a lot of people when they get the stick is like, how do you go from being basically just one of the one of the fish buddies equal everybody else to having the guide on, and then it's a leadership role, but you also don't want to, I guess, be abrasive towards your buddies, which also have to get certain things done. How did you go about stepping up into that? Yeah, um, I guess. The, the approach that we kind of took is that you have to look at it as you as the whole class are moving up and you're there's a it's a weird section where technically you outrank them technically because you're the guide on you just get looked at that way but you're still the same rank because they don't really rank this as it's a weird dynamic and you just kind of look at it as you look to each you look to the whole class's strengths right and you try to use each class strengths well. So, for instance, um, you guys know uh, Alex was probably the number one pisshead in noticing anything wrong with anything you did. That was that was his thing. Most definitely, uh, he could spot uh, unshined brass the other side of the hallway. That's just what he did. And so, leaning on that, I knew and Lane knew that we didn't have to rely on ourselves. You know with Hawkeyes looking at your shoes. We knew that Jacob was going to be that guy who could step up and do that role. And it was, it was little things like that where 
yeah, okay, we were guided on. And we were, and especially, I feel like I was the, I'm just a talkative guy. Um, I was going to be the guy that kind of tried to lead the training time. I knew I had other, other pieces in place to where I could lean on Jacob or I could lean on Calabrese, my buddy. I'm sorry if the listeners don't know, but I could lean on other people to do other things. And we just kind of worked as a team. Well, yeah, I was the vocal one because that's what kind of the position bestows on you is being the guide on you kind of have to be the first one to say stuff, especially if the white belts aren't around or whatever have you. But leaning and letting and it's like it's like an early step of delegation you start to learn into white belt year you just don't know how to do it yet absolutely and uh since we have two members of uh the guide on family here well what kind of advice would y'all have to uh i guess to fish uh right now when they're working their way towards you know it's becoming more and more relevant right now so kind of figuring out the di- dynamic between the guide on brothers and or guide on siblings i guess and um then also with uh, figuring out the dynamic with their buddies. Do you want to go first? I, I just yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I would definitely say, you know, how I viewed it and how I think we've always, whenever it's been chosen, you know, it's not so much a, are you the best at PT or are you the best at shining your shoes? Or are you the best at doing this? You know, I think it really is, you know, are you a, as we all like to say, you know, good is objective, but you know, are you a good person? You know, are you going to do the right thing, make the right decisions and care about your people? You know, and I think that's a big thing that we all try to, you know, say that when you have the stick, you know, you are trying to do the right thing. You're going to try to help your buddies. You're going to lean on your buddies and you're not going to all focus on yourself. Because I think that's one thing that I think some people can definitely get uh, carried away with is that, oh, well, I have a stick now. So I'm top dog and everyone bow down to me. And I think that's something that at least in this outfit, we never really wanted to have. You know, that's not the point of getting the stick or being the brother. It's definitely about, okay, well. That's we saw that in you there you have that position, but that doesn't mean you're automatically better than the rest of your buddies. You know, exactly. I think just what you said, Michael, about playing on your strengths, you know, that's a big thing. And I think as you know, as a guide on brother and guide on, that's kind of what you you get a feeling for everyone's strengths and weaknesses and you know, where they can step in where they can't. But that's kind of what I got out of it, at least. Yeah, essentially the same thing that, that I was had a thought of. Um, just going into the selection process as a fish. I never really expected it to be me. I always expected it to be Lane just because um, how fast he could run. Um, and especially our class, no offense to anyone in our class, but we sucked at running as yeah, a class. Yeah, and yeah. Lane was clearly <laughs> the only one who could. Um, but, yeah, just uh, I, I, was, I was asked uh, the guys who selected me, like, you know, why the hell did you select me? Like, I'm terrible at running. And you know, the whole they they each had different responses, and I think Grable, I think I think I think Grable put it the best is it wasn't really about me running. It said you came. It's it's about your improvement and seeing. Okay, Lenice, you did the most improvement, and we saw a multi-level just difference in how you led a training time when we did the fish head, or the fish head training. We saw that. And we, we chose that because we knew the potential you had beyond that and how, you know, and we used guide-ons, especially I, when I was a first sergeant, I used uh, Alex and you as a, as like a, like an, an embassy. Like this is, I'm going to talk to you first before I talk to the rest of the piss heads to use that communication. So that's where I, that's where I put my trust is in you guys to dis- disperse that information. So, you know, stuff like that, that's not PT. That's a, 
a level of trust and character that I rely on you to, to help your buddies get to where you need to be. I come to you first. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Do you miss it, Michael? Do I miss piss ed year? Yeah. If you could um, go back today, would you go back for a day? <laughs> piss ed year? Relive yelling at Fish Trevino. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't know. I, I did some crazy stuff this year. I was just on something, man. I, I really tried to to amp it up. I remember when we did the uh, the end of Duncan stuff when you request to leave the table when I would. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, when I would like so when I was a pisshead when I was a guide on, I sat at um, our CO's table too for I forget when I forget like for how long, but I but he told me, hey Lenice, you need to slam your fist on the table harder because that's what that's how you request the whole table to get up is you slam your fist on the table with a thumbs up to request permission for the table to get up. So being as the hardest piss head and the, the, you know, the guide on, I had to show out. Um, and I think this happened two times. Um, but I did look where I was slamming my fist and my plate was right in front of me like an idiot. So I just slammed my fist down and I cracked the plate and then sent literally just crazy <laughs> stuff flying just like insane drinks and everything and the, the thing I'll never forget is when I did it I said oh shoot I'm gonna get in trouble and I'm like the whole time I'm doing this and I'm looking at my CO and my CO never breaks eye contact with me and yeah. we left. That was it. And we made the fish clean it up. <laughs> that was it. I never heard I about can, it again. I can remember hearing that that crash from where I was sitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I want to like I want to tell some fun, some funny stories about my my piss heads, Alex and Mike. So okay, the first Ooh, one. Yeah. So I was I was in uh, Lenisa Mike's uh, fire team for like a week. I remember like it was like the second day of school. Cause he comes in my room and he's like, "Fish Brent." were you whipping out in class? And I was like, oh, what? It's right house. I'm supposed to, right? And that's basically like probably the cringiest thing I could remember doing. But <laughs> so that was my first, in, first encounter with a, with a fire team leader. Then I got moved to a different one. And speaking about, man, Alex, like catching everything on the details, I'd be on the other end of the quad, right? And my socks, you're supposed to have them pulled way up high. They'd be like half an inch lower than they're supposed to be. I'd be like other end of the quad from him, so like maybe a quarter mile away. I get a text like "Fish Brand, motivate your socks," and I was like, "Where is he?" I don't know. He's like, "What?" Like, <laughs> saw me just like Spidey. Spidey senses it. Didn't didn't you like didn't you you guys call me a genie or something? Because I <laughs> no oh that one too. Okay, so like we saw this man. We saw this man in the hallway, right? And we we're all gonna go to the commons, and then we all left before him, and he was just standing there in the hallway. We walk out the door and go to the commons, and he's just standing at the top of the staircase to go down to the commons, which is the dining hall. So, like, we have no idea how he got there that fast. Like, we just sprinted, so we made a joke that it was like he, he like, claps his hands like this and just, like, teleports wherever he wants. So it's like the only way he got there that fast is if he just teleported. Man, that was funny. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I can just remember the first day getting there during FOW, and I'm a short guy. Everyone knows this. And Calabrese and Lanise and all of y'all like right on top of me yelling at me it was definitely probably one of the most terrifying things. Ever. <laughs> that was definitely not. We were just doing the job. <laughs> it was nothing personal. I remember, remember I thought like everybody coming to a military school was going to look like like Jorgen Boss Strangle from Fairly Odd Parents, you know, like the big and buff guy. And I was like, I was like, hold on, where, where the buff dudes at? And then I saw Calabrese walk over and I was like, oh, okay. There is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least one. For sure.
So cool. I guess we can transition to the the next year. So, what would you say? What was your kind of like junior year like? You know, I learned a lot happened in junior year. So definitely that yeah. experience. Junior year is crazy, man. Uh, so I was first sergeant. Um, that was just a job and a half. Um, especially FOW, getting to be into that role as like, okay, you're one of the last question answers. You know, like this is where the question stops is with you. You have to have an answer. Um, being that guy is just something that uh, I wasn't prepared for at first because it's, it's a little stressful having to have the answer to everything. And you can't always go to your CEO because your CEO is off doing it now. So having that um, aspect, and especially FOW, uh, FOW is kind of insane. Um, we lost a fish for like 30 minutes. Um, they, the fish, I forget who it was. Um, but they had to go to the bathroom and didn't tell anybody and <laughs> just pure, just, oh, like, I mean, I remember our CEO, my CEO, James Boverkirk and I just like looking at each other like, oh, great. First day, we're already, uh, we're done. Got a fish already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> comes the case. <laughs> so it's, it's a very, it was very stressful, um, in that respect, but at the same time, it's, it's rewarding. Um, just, uh. Just leading your little line of fish to formation, or you know, doing other stuff. Uh, and it's also nice having that. And I enjoy what I enjoyed most about first sergeant is yes, training fish, but I actually enjoyed training pissheads because I kind of took that as a new experience of um, it's a different way of uh, training people, right? Because you know, and that's how the course set up, obviously. But I think a lot of a lot of people kind of miss the junior sophomore uh training where you have to completely redirect your focus and how you train to people who you drop with who you're friends with and who you're you know just generally you're not going to be mean you're not going to be you're not going to be yelling at them right as as you would as fish and having that change of gears i really like because again i'm not i i don't like yelling but i like being in that leadership and stern role where we can get we can get things done as a team um, and that's where I kind of, and Bovenkirk and I really, really wanted to get the squad skeleton going, yep. um, just that, that chain of command going. We could have teams of people and have operations of leadership within teams rather than just, okay, the piss edge train the fish and the white belts just kind of just bleed, you know. And that's where, you know, looking how things went my sophomore year, and transitioning to my junior year, that's one of the things I wanted to get done as a first sergeant is really change the, the setup of an outfit and especially our outfit. And on top of that, we trans I think we transitioned to slack our yes, we did. That was yes. slack year. between yeah, between my piss head and junior year. And that was a huge change also because and it's I mean I like talking to other outfits too because the way they did things, um was so different than the way we did things and other outfits did uh, things. We, when we were on group me, other outfits were already on Slack. And then when we moved to Slack, I found out other outfits didn't even have group me. They didn't have Slack. Their whole communication was going down the hall and knocking on someone's door. Wow. So old fashioned way. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and so when we moved to Slack, I thought, okay, I'm going to put as much as I can into this to like get us on a, like a, an efficient system where, the private world after college uses stuff like this, Slack and Microsoft Teams. I want to get us to where our core operations are on top of this, this great messaging or uh, team service. 
And that also was difficult, I found out, because you know what? People don't like change. Found that out real quick. Yeah, that's that yeah. Took me Civil War that happened that year. So um, all in all, I, I liked junior year. It's stressful. Um, yeah, it's a stressful year for other reasons, but at least you're away and you can kind of sit back at training times rather than be on top of people, on top of the fish. Definitely. And speaking of James, how was that, that transition with, because we all know about like, sometimes you have in-house leadership, you know, CEO and first sergeant. Sometimes you have, you know, import from other outfits. How was that, you know, with you being a first sergeant, you know, originally from six and then uh, James coming from 16, you know, how was that kind of came up to speed with the, the culture and everything? Yeah, I, I can, I think I can say James Bovenkirk is probably the best leader I w- was under while I was in the Corps. Um, when he came from, well, when I first met him, I was like, who, who is this dude? Like, he looks so <laughs> weird. Uh, he, he was just chilling in his room. Um, he's a super skinny guy. Um, and, you know, he's, he's just, the way I would describe him is he's, uh, he's super calm, but also like an energy bolt at the same time. Like, you just want to oh, yeah. follow him. He's just a super funny guy. And I think we clicked really well uh, as a team. He, um, he brought a lot of stuff from 16 to Squadron 6, but at the same time, he was still um, – I'm 100% Squadron 6, and he almost treated like I've always been Squadron 6, and we're going to do this the Squadron 6 way. I just have some ideas that are across the quad that I think could help us outfit, and I think that change really kind of helped us a lot, especially that year, uh, and especially me as, you know, developing as a leader. Uh, having him see stuff, which I hadn't seen from the outfit, uh, it really, it really helped me in how to approach things, especially his, his motivation style. He's a very motivating person. It's just yeah, who he is. Definitely. And uh, yeah, he's a, he was also um, an RV and convinced me to go out for the RVs uh, and helped me get selected. So uh, we we bonded a lot over that experience, being both in the RVs um, and him being my CEO. Uh, I was going to ask, uh, what were some things that uh, James uh, definitely had, like, a very – everything that you just said completely agree with, where, like, you know, his leadership style and his ability to motivate. What were some uh, things that – discussions that y'all had kind of where he – how did he view six? What were some things that he may have liked where, like, he, he also brought up, well, maybe there's something we can try, you know, experiment with this here. What do those conversations look like? Yeah, um, I think he was a huge fan of the traditions that Six had. Um, even, I mean, just the strong tradition that it had since coming back. You know, it was disbanded forever and then came back in 2013 and still held on to those traditions. Obviously, the legacy group, he loved just having that. And, you know, and he always, you know, always said, like, you know, we never had a legacy group like this in 16. Like, we never had these resources, these people who wanted to actively help um he loved that aspect of it and he really wanted to play into that especially uh with you know as as a first sergeant i don't know how far this has gone down but as a first sergeant uh, from what i learned is my from my last first sergeant was that you had to be the uh, squadron six historian as well so my last the first sergeant before me uh Haley nam and she gave me a bunch of a bunch of historical stuff like these like she gave me this like old leather bound book from 1950 that was like a yearbook um and i was able to like go through and explain a lot of you know the symbology behind the old outfit logos and all that um 
explain that to him and he loved it. And again, that's also in the squads. That's kind of how we came up with a lot of squads is through the old squadron six imagery, the squadron six logo. So, yeah. And things that, I mean, he, he looked to make better in squadron six was also, you know, the squads. Um, we both wanted to incorporate that into it. He wanted to incorporate different styles of PT. So different ways we did PT between um, the year I, the, the, my fifth year, my junior year, I thought we, you know, our PT was more effective and it was more purposeful rather than doing dumb stuff. Um, on top of the, all of this, he was just like a competent guy. Like he, he just, he just knew exactly what to do and not right off the bat, obviously, because it's always a learning curve, but he always was that guy where I could go to and he was just a calm, level-headed, you know, it, it was an easy answer every time. And I could rely on him even like when I was, you know, confused. Um, but yeah, we did a lot of great things together. Uh, we both, uh, we both did stupid things together. Um, we both, we, we served an R-dub together, a full uh, class one, because um, it was partly our fault, partly the course fault, but we uh, decided not, like, it was either, it was a, either have the whole outfit do uh, some kind of punishment or have your leadership do an R-dub, so like, screw it, we, we have a free weekend, we'll do a restricted weekend, so I, those are the memories that I am fond of, is uh Restricted weekend, restricted weekends with James Bobenkirk. Yeah. yeah, I definitely agree that. I mean, he was very approachable, even as like a sophomore. Because I know, like in some outfits, there's definitely like that black belt, white belt barrier to where like, okay, I'll go to my juniors, but my zips, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna go talk to them. You know, as a CEO, I think that's something that definitely uh, is very advantageous is being able to be approachable. Uh, you know, by your sophomores, even by your fish. You know, I think that's a that's a big change. I think. Um, I mean, I've even seen from when I was a fish, and I'm sure y'all have it too, man. I don't think I ever really bonded with my juniors when I was a freshman or anything like that, just because of how it was, you know. And then the squad thing, I mean, I couldn't imagine the outfit without squads now. I mean, it's so yeah. so integral. And uh, I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, Lenny's, but do you remember all the names of the – I guess, yeah, we have our zips here too, so they can uh, inform us. But uh, if you want to talk about a little bit like the – when we were experimenting and, and, and trying to implement the squads and kind of what the heart behind that was and, and uh, the names that we have for them as well. Yeah. So the, the squads were kind of like, so the backpedal, I am my, I love just sports. I love athletics. I love all sports, college sports, professional sports. So I kind of designed the squads out of like teams. So I, uh, I like to design logos, just what I do. And I designed the logos for the squads. And that was like the, that was like the motivating experience. And I was like, okay, now I got to actually make these functional. Um, and just like, I, I drew from in the whole, the whole start of it also was I want to get my buddies involved. That was most of it too, because I realized that uh, the previous year you had the first sergeant and you had platoon leaders, you had two. So you had three people who were the top dogs and then the rest of the juniors were in chains and that's fine. And that, I think that that works, but I would have liked to see more involvement of the juniors into training times, not just the chains. Um, because it, that's what it really felt like, especially in Sparta six was that the white belts did white belt chain stuff and the piss heads did all the training, which is a lot of stress on the piss heads also. Cause you know, they've got a lot of, they've got a huge workload. So when you, put the squads in you have 
you still have your first sergeant and you still have your platoon lead or your uh, platoon sergeants, but you also add four more juniors who have a vested interest in the training and who want to do something. And also on top of that, I think that you give them a, an identity to rally behind and have competition, which, you know, that's such a great thing to have is competing for, you know, different things, competing in standards, competing in PT. That's just going to raise up the whole outfit. So I went to people and luckily we had four people who I thought would be good squad leaders. And we had them kind of decide on how the squad, how their squad wanted to work, how their logo wanted to look, how, what, what, you know, what they wanted to be named and have that be the driving force. And I think that way we could have had it stick longer and it's like giving an identity to each squad and having them have their own idiosyncrasies, like in just having their own level of, this is how we do things in this squad. This is how we do things in this squad and having that own identifier. And I think you guys made it better um, just by, I think I, I had a lot of, we had a lot of criticism at first, you know, how we did things. I think you guys started uh, Trevino and Colton. I think you guys added on to it by keeping people within the squads year to year. That originally wasn't there at first. Um, I remember Davis was a huge help on uh, putting the patches on the shirts. That was a huge thing that I think raised squad identity. Um, but yeah, and then I and then the board itself. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys still use that. But uh, it's still there. It's in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a great quality of uh, wood that I we did the board with, but you better believe all those little panels are hand painted and uh, custom made. But yeah, those things that uh, th if I could look back on the core and I could say where did I leave my legacy, I want that to be where I left my legacy, putting in a hundred percent into that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what the idea was with the squad. It was it was a big change for us, like having that squad identity. Because I remember when I came in as a fish, like I don't I don't know who my squad leader was or if I even had one. And then going on, it's like you can kind of take pride in the squad. Like I like to brag about Cheapies won it won the squad competition every year. So on a Cheapy gang or whatever like that. But it, it makes it where you can be, be more involved, be like competitive, and like that competitiveness makes it where people are getting more out of the training time and also having more fun and enjoying it. Yeah, and I couldn't do any of it without Bovenkirk either. Bovenkirk was kind of like the guy who said, I had the idea, and Bovenkirk was like the guy, okay, like, let's get this in action. Let's do all this stuff. And he was the one who kind of gave me permission. And he had a – and I love the way he also did things because he kind of saw that I had, you know, some stupid idea that I wanted to try. And he didn't interfere with it at all. He just said, okay, Lenny, do what you want to do. I will be the guy over you and tell people to do what you tell them to do. But at the same time, he also gave me so many ideas. He, he implemented his own things into it that worked. He did so much to the squad identity also that it's just, you know, if I didn't have him, it wouldn't have worked. Um, he also bought the cup. And he spent the cup on it. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> it was, Boven cup. He, he found one in the trash, and it was, like, kind of small. He said, no, this thing needs to be huge, and it was. So yeah, he I I think he did a lot, you know, just to get it off the ground. Man, if we could just get Bovenkirk to stop wearing chacos, he'd be like the perfect person. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that, that's a lot of really great meat to uh, definitely glean from. I, I think that that's a lot of really good uh, stuff, especially going into um, for for current pissheads who are because I think now it's relevant schedule wise where 
Everyone's starting transition. Um, have you all started transition training? Yeah, we have. And we actually, uh, all the positions are starting to come out. So I know the, hey. like, um, the major unit commanders just came out today, you know, the core commander, all that kind of stuff. So it's yeah. about that time. I think in like one or two weeks, we're going to figure out who's going to be the next first sergeant, who's going to be the next CEO. So it's an exciting time. Exciting. Um, for for all ag listeners uh, and, and graduates, uh, recent graduates as well, could you kind of describe what, uh, how has the process worked? Because I'm sure like, you know, COVID has sort of changed the game for sure. And on, uh, we, we'd love to hear uh, if y'all could keep us, you know, apprised on, on what it looked like this year and how were people motivated? What did that look like from, from the cadet end as well? So yeah, definitely. I think it, I think it's still in essence, stayed the same as it was when y'all were here. It's where they do still apply as like a formal, you know, application where it's write these questions, you know, they kind of figure out what organizations are you in, uh, kind of that background. And from what I understand, Colton, they still did have interviews and I mean, it was still kind of the same as it was in the past. So, I mean, it's, it's different because, um, I mean, obviously COVID, you know, it's been a little weird with the positions and everything, but, you know, I think a lot of people are looking forward to the positions and I mean, it's definitely been a growing experience for everyone. And I, I talked to some of the sophomores now and it's, it's interesting because you talk about us, you know, for us, at least a lot of people that were here last year before COVID is like, okay, now how are you going to go from core as it is to COVID core, but now talking to a lot of them, it's like, how are you going to go from COVID core back to regular core? And that's kind of a big discussion that they've been trying to think about. Cause I mean, you know, I'm sure they're going to bring back chow. I'm sure they're going to bring back, um, you know, being on the wall and a lot of stuff that used to be there. So it's like, um, you know, they're them being first sergeant and being CO. You know, I think the only class that really got to experience a, a real full year as a core, as we knew it at least was 22, 22. So, um, you know, being that first sergeant going back into how it used to be and, um, you know, starting that back up, I think is going to be a big challenge. And I, I think you know, for the most part, I think a lot of them prepared for it. So um, that's just kind of my, my two cents on what it's going to look like next year. So, I mean, I won't be there, but it'll be interesting to hear about it. Hopefully uh, whoever's going to do this podcast will uh, let us know what's going on. Maybe they can talk about it, but. Yeah, no, no. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, talk about. See, you kind of already hit all these questions that we haven't even asked yet, Lenny. So this is. Uh, we can ask about senior year, though. Yes, yes, we can. Talk to us about senior year. Senior year, um, senior year. I got fat. That happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it does. I got a belly too, Lenny. Don't worry. Hey, got a little, little chub going. You always tell yourself that you're not going to be that fat senior, and then you become that fat. Then you turn senior. 21, and you go to Bannon's or go out. Yeah. Hey, I do, I do got to say, I don't know how Lanise, like, ran, ran so far and breathed so heavy at the same time, because, like, I'd be running next time, I'd hear, like, <laughs> or, some, or some noise like that, and we'd be, like, I don't know, three or four miles into it, but then he'd stay in the rest of the time. Yeah, I don't know how I did it either. I was dying every single step. <laughs> uh, yeah, senior year, it's, uh, it's a weird weird experience because I felt so detached from the operations of the outfit you feel so like I don't know it, it's kind of I'm not gonna say it's sad because you kind of expect it but you, your interactions with the fish are much more limited I felt like just going into senior year you have a way more um and especially I was an XO I didn't have green tabs I was the the chain master um that was my role was to do all the stuff that the fish didn't know about. So it was, it was kind of sad, 
but it was still really fun to be, you know, one of the guys just had that whole outfit, you know, in, you know, in your hands, like, you know, it was, you, you were one of the guys who like were going to help the outfit get to where it needed to be next year. Uh, senior year, you know, I think my buddy class, my buddy class got closer every single year, especially oh, yeah. after piss head year. Oh yeah. Um, but senior year, I think is probably our, like the year we got to be like best friends is, and people who were my family just because just all the time we spent together when you don't really have each other you don't have anyone above you to laugh at all your jokes anymore you know you don't have your right. you don't have your said to make funny jokes. it's just you guys you know you got the you got your weird butts that just do weird stuff uh, <laughs> and you know you're friends with them but you're like once once your seniors graduate the class above you graduate you lose like a friend group i feel like so mm-hmm. Yeah. you kind of feel lonely like yes you have your juniors but you know you I feel like you stick closer together and for us at least for my class for my class we spent a lot of time going out to the bars we went to carnies like literally all the time yeah um, yeah Friday night half price food uh, hey, Brian, <laughs> Brian, that's a great deal of carnies but like nobody told me they got like the Thursday night it's like three dollar like yeah. mixed, like top shelf stuff. oh yeah dude I went it great deal but, like Five drinks. Yeah, anyway, anyway. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, just stuff like that, going to the chicken, doing stupid stuff. But at the same time, we didn't like I feel like we didn't like ever party. We just kinda of sat back and drank. And that was what I think my favorite part of senior year is just having just those conversations and that time as you know, as seniors kind of like your 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 eyes are glazed over looking into the distance of, you know, post core life. Like what is that gonna be? I've just spent you know, four years of my life, you know, learning campusologies, like, what is it going to be like in the real world? Mm-hmm. And you have people to go, you know, to go into that world with and have those, you know, conversations with. So I think senior year is defined by our buddy class growing closer. And um, yeah, also COVID. Yeah. Uh, my senior year. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, that, that was, that was a whole, you know, thing and a half just because having to maneuver around it and you know especially for us and you guys also uh colton and Trujillo, you guys uh you know you, you don't know what the next week is going to be like you know you don't know what the what different leadership is going to pass down what's it going to be like you know when we first you know we first heard about it like oh cool a two-week spring break like that's, <laughs> that's what everybody <laughs> thought about it first and then you learn, you know, later on the line, like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be for a longer time than just uh, two weeks. Uh, but I think by that time, you know, senior year, it was already winding down. I'm not too, you know, too mad about it. Uh, we, the things that we missed, I think, I think, I think the two things we did, we, we didn't do with Marks the Brazos and uh, Final Review. Final Review. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not too bummed about that because we had all the time. I mean, I'm bummed because I never got to, to take advantage of my nine mile walk while you guys did the full 18. Yeah. But, you know, it was still kind of like, a, it was a good cap to uh, a core career, as you say. Uh, just meeting my buddies and still, you know, talking to them. We still have our group chat. Just having that and knowing that we were going into the post core world with a solid group of people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, one thing I, I definitely miss so much and like uh, going back, like it's not, it's not the grand, like, you know, getting the boots. It's not the, uh, you know, 
walking around all stoic and, and getting whipped out to and all that. That's not really what you remember, but it's just the small stuff. Like just having the ability to kick someone's door down a few steps away from you and just bother them, you know, during EST or something. It's definitely uh, a day to day. Right. No, exactly. And that was something I think that, that was like why I was super reluctant to leave uh, when, when COVID officially hit and like we're all sitting home for the most part, uh, unless you were able to, to stay in town and stuff. But just I'm like, I, the, the part of me when I'm like, I don't want to leave my buddies. I don't leave my, you know, this family and, uh, you know, the, this entire outfit and stuff. So like you really get latched onto it. And uh, those memories and like those, you know, those small things, they really matter a lot. The way the like social dynamic was explained to me by the wise LaFleur was basically like, you just hear somebody talking in a, in a room and down the hallway, you just, you just walk in. It's like, where else can you do that to start up a, I guess, conversation or start up a fun time? It's like, you just, yeah. you just walk in and like, it's just so, so cool that you get to do that and then you leave and go to work. And I guess you could do it in a cubicle, but I mean, your coworkers are going to get mad at you after a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a little yeah. different. <laughs> So, Michael, I, I know we kind of, you, you mentioned it earlier, kind of the beginning of junior year, but I know you're a part of some special organizations. So, you know, how was that? How was that for, you know, junior year? Because I know it's a two-year thing. So, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, I was blessed to be, I think you're talking about the RVs. Uh, yes. I, was blessed to be, I was blessed to be selected uh, in the RVs. Uh, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot of hard work, don't get me wrong, especially your junior year. But, you know, I think... I, what I gained from it was like talking to people across the quad. And that, that's probably my favorite thing is talking to people across the quad and having friends and outfits, which I never would, you know, never would have talked to those people in those outfits. Um, you know, and Jacob also knows this, like, it's just, it's cool to, to balance ideas off each other, listen to what other people are complaining about in their outfits. Like, you know, what is this regiment doing? That's stupid. And what is this, you know, it, it was fun to hear that stuff and just kind of banter with people who are all across the quad, but yet in similar situations that you are in, you know, as, as someone that's not even their major unit. On top of that, being um, the, the attention to detail aspect, you know, it got turned up for me. And I think it's helped a lot in my job is when you're an RV, your attention to detail is, you know, one of the, one of the things that they really try to hammer into, you know, you do a movement, perfectly every single time the exact same way and having that discipline really helped uh especially in my professional career having that like just the habits of being a detail-oriented person uh i also got to love new orleans uh and mardi gras oh, yeah, i bet i bet I, oh, yeah. I want to go back uh, as soon <laughs> as possible to experience another mardi gras definitely had a lot of fun uh there but yeah would you say it was also pretty great, you know, with the RV connections, at least with all the old eggs that were part of it? I know that there's a big legacy within your organization. Yeah, and it's it's cool because we had a lot of speakers come to us and talk to us, and a lot of guys who've done done crazy stuff. Uh, and they've got the uh, the VA, which is the Ross Volunteer Association, that help you know help the RVs out a lot. And you just meet tons of cool people. And I've I've gotten to do so many cool events. Um, with the RVs where, you, you know, just stuff where y you wouldn't think it was a thing, but it was just insane. Just, just looking back on it, like, wow, I got to go to this special, I got to go to like a space inductee memorial event in Houston and, you know, just so many cool things that just come from it. I really enjoyed my time. Definitely. Yeah. Alrighty, gentlemen, you think we're ready for a rapid fire segment? Yes. Sounds good to me. Rapid, Rapid fire. fire. 
All right, perfect. So number one, your favorite Aggie tradition. Um, favorite Aggie tradition, probably midnight yell, uh, especially as a junior, getting on the field. Oh, yeah. Looking up and just like, whoa, that is insane. 79 people came to this thing at midnight. Definitely love that. So you're going to have to kind of get into the back of the mind for the, this second question, but favorite campusology out of all the ones you learned? Man, um, probably uh, 55 flag because my uh, – Jacob and I, uh, we are fish head training. Oh, yeah. It kind of started as a joke, and uh, we would always – like when we did fish head training, when the piss head – uh, the, the fish head, whatever, would ask the other fish a campo, and literally everyone would always say 55 flag for some reason. It would make us all laugh. It would make us all laugh, and we always, you know, get told to shut up by the piss heads, but it kind of carried on to, like, whenever you didn't know something, instead of saying the fourth fish answer, you would just launch into 55 flag. <laughs> <So, laughs> just, like, just having those memories, that's probably my favorite. All right. Uh, how about this one? What year was your favorite year in the core? This year, 100%. I yeah. missed – that was probably my favorite year just because of the stupid stuff you got away with. When, when else can you do that? Shoot, I don't know if I'd say my, it was my favorite year, but yeah. Uh, next question would be, what has been, like, your best experience or favorite experience with the Aggie Network? So, like, maybe getting a job through old Ags or something like that? Yeah. Um, I guess first, the job I have right now, um, my, hire, my hiring, hiring manager – was an Aggie, um, so that helped. But before I even came to A&M, uh, my parents um, knew somebody who worked with them, and he went to A&M, and he was in the court, and he found out that I was going in the court, and he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain everything to you. So he gave me the keys, and he kind of helped me. He gave me a first step into what core was like once I got down to A&M, and he – he didn't know who I was. He had no familiar connection to me. He was a cadet and I was a cadet and he just kind of took me under his wing. And at the same time, on top of that, he just did, he just, you know, upheld the core um, in crazy things. Like he took me to see, um, I think a medal of honor recipient was talking in the uh, auditorium and it was at George Bush library. I think, yeah, it was at George Bush library. And I remember it was during uh, fish purrs week where you have to wear the bottle caps and I had to go in Bravo's and he made sure I put on the fish purse to go to Georgia <laughs> to go listen to the Milana recipient speak. So I was literally walking through the Bush library, tons of distinguished old people. And you hear me clinking with my loud bottle caps, just walking, looking like a complete idiot, but he was a cadet and he had to go through it. And he said, okay, you're going through this. So one of those guys that, you know, I wouldn't have known any anyway, but he was just someone and he not from squadron six. He was from uh, alpha that got disbanded. Um, he just wanted to help me as an Aggie and as a cadet. Awesome. Uh, best prank that you pulled or was pulled on you? Um, best prank. Jeez. I don't know. Um, well, on me, I can't remember any besides y'all taking my guide on. Um, um, probably, <laughs> uh, we, we did, we, I think we were one of the first classes to do fish skip day. I think it was done before us where all the fish don't go to a train time, except when we did it, 
it was like taboo at the same time because the the year previous it was like a core sanctioned event where okay all the entire fish in the core were skipping but when our year somebody told us to do it i forget who but somebody told us to do it but it was kind of like understood that okay this year the fish are not doing it that was a bad idea last year we're not letting that happen again and then we decided to do it anyway and that kind of set off a chain of uh people in our office doing it every single year after that um which is when you know obviously it's tradition at that point but right. yeah, yeah that stuff i mean that was I, I think that was a pretty good prank that i don't know if it was good but you know just just watching because i remember i didn't even go like, i was i was registering for classes that morning so i'm i'm literally awake before the people who are even leaving to go and they went to ihop they literally you know went to ihop so I'm there sitting there registering for classes and I see, you know, I hear the commotion going on the hallway and then just like the seniors just throw up my door. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> and I'm, I remember, I don't know if Jacob went, but I remember hearing that they, yeah. our CEO was so crazy that, or our first sergeant at that time, first sergeant was so crazy that they literally walked into IHOP in PT gear and yep. made them pay for, like made them pay for the stuff and they literally walked back. We didn't even get to eat. Like I was gonna get my first bite of breakfast. <laughs> we were all walking back. <laughs> I know I can vividly remember when that happened. Uh, when our buddies did our skip day, and it was me and Provino and someone. Y'all were smart about all. it, though. Y'all were yeah. smart about uh, smarter. Oh no! And you woke me up, and I had a bag in that morning, and y'all were yelling <laughs> at me, and you were like, "Get out of here right now!" And I'm like, "Dude, I'm trying to sleep." Now nah, y'all y'all messed up when you opened your doors. I should have just pretended like you weren't there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rookie mistake. Uh, and for our final rapid fire question, what is your best advice for current cadets? Um, hydrate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like at one time, like take it all in, just like kind of like, just kind of like take a, like a mental snapshot of going out there, uh, going out there for formation, just kind of like look up, just that's kind of like what I think my favorite memories are is just like, I remember going out to formation with, you know, it's like, 50 degrees my hands are in my hoodie and just realizing that wow this is such a weird experience that it's never going to happen to me again and you just look out you hear all the yelling and just you know realize that this is this is something that you're going to miss so make sure you take pleasure in every single moment of it put yourself into the core and realize that there is never going to be another time where you are so close to a group of people who have different goals, different, you know, ideas, because Jacob can speak to this, but our class is just so diverse in places that they came from, um, just, just different ideas, people, cultures. We all meshed into a shared struggle, into a shared suck, that it was something that I don't think I'll ever experience again, uh, especially in the private world. So if my advice is, you know, realize that, realize that this is what you have now, and don't take it for granted. And also work out on your own, especially your junior to prepare for your senior year. Whoop. Whoop. Well, Michael, thank you so much for stopping by. This was an absolute pleasure. And uh, we'd love to have you on again sometime if you're getting forward. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. was fun. Wait, wait, guys, I, I got some bad news. Uh, I forgot to push record. I'll see you. <laughs>